Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. Welcome to CEO Uncovered. Today joining me is Ross Paquette, founder and CEO of Maripost. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to learn more about you. Could you give us a gist on your background, who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So um, from a business perspective, maybe I'll, I'll split it into two. So um, founded Maripost about 10 years ago. I've spent about the last 14 years in the software as a service space. Um, started off in marketing automation and now Maripost operates a single platform around commerce, so both e-commerce and, and retail, marketing automation, and then service cloud. And so we've built a uh, bootstrap business over the last 10 years uh, from zero to uh, just under 60 million in revenue and in relatively record time while maintaining uh, a very profitable uh, balance sheet. How did you come up with the idea for the company? Yeah, so I, I started off in, in marketing automation originally and I was in sales and then really loved the product side of things and figured, hey, I can set up a company, have 10 customers, do a half a million a year in revenue, and then, uh, you know, let's sit by the pool a lot of the time. And so we only had maybe four or five people in the business, got to about 300,000 in revenue. And then in about 28 months, we went from 300,000 to 26 million uh, with the same 12 or 10, 10 or with about 10 or 12 people in the company. So I had some explosive growth and that was in, in between sort of 2014 and 2016. Did you always want to start your own company growing up or? Never, no. Never Didn't even happened. dawn on me. No, it was just kind of, yeah, just kind of happened. Happened like yeah. that. So yeah. what would you say makes Post unique? Yeah. So the fact that we have a single solution. So of course there's products out there in all of the areas that we operate in. In, in e-commerce, you know, the easiest ones are there's the Shopify's and big commerce and Magenta's of the world. In retail, I mean, there's a, a whole list there, but the Vens, uh, marketing automation, you've got Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Klaviyo, MailChimp, you know, there's hundreds in, in, in that example. And then, of course, on the service side, um, Zendesk, Freshdesk, and so on. And so for the last six years, our vision has been the same as I described, a single solution across these areas. And it's not that we're trying to be everything to everybody, mm-hmm. but... Any mid-market, our target market is, is the mid-market. That's where 61% of all uh, uh, global trade occurs or, or online and retail sales occur. And very similar to Maripost as we built you know, Maripost itself, as we grew, we really needed the efficiency of one partner. Um, and while we're on the B2B side, so very different customer profile, um, the, the, the logic rings true where companies who are getting into this 20, 30, $50 million in revenue, e-commerce again, and or retail, um, they need to have as few relationships as possible. It can't be Shopify with 50 different plugins to operate the business for shipping and taxes and payments and all this. We aggregate the core business needs uh, into one solution. And then we have single customer view. We have customer data, uh, uh, you know, of course, aggregated within there. Yeah. So if I'm operating a $50 million company, uh, you know, selling all over, the, all over the world or physical products all over the world, I can log in and see everything that's happening across the core areas of the business. And when you were getting Maripost out there, what tactics did you use to really launch and grow the company? Yeah, so when we started, uh, as I mentioned, so we're a bootstrap business, so we don't have any investors or anything like that. 
uh, it was naturally very scrappy. So we've generated um, historically over 50% of our revenue from word of mouth. So it started off with, uh, you know, typical content marketing, then that tr translated into uh, events and so on. And we were sort of in this time, or maybe at the end of the time where events were still really valuable, you could still, you know, so I went out and, and got like the platinum or diamond or whatever sponsorship at a couple of shows. And it was extremely successful because it was just me sitting at our booth kind of thing, but Maripost was everywhere. I actually have a, a great photo of it on my, my Facebook. We, uh, we were at a conference called Marketing Sherpa's email summit and they had uh, a party at a, a, anyway, at one of the large nightclubs and it was literally like Maripost everywhere. Like you couldn't turn your head. Yeah. And so companies who were there from, you know, Rolling Stone and, and or that's Wetter Media, but New York Times, Dollar General were there like, excuse me, I were like, who the hell is this Maripost company? And so naturally they come over and talk to yeah. us and, you know, became great customers. And so we, we continue to build from that perspective. And what moment, or is, has there been a moment where you're like, I made it? I don't really think like that. So I, I think the, I think as a founder and as somebody who has uh, pretty significant aspirations for the business, not necessarily myself, I think about it more from reaching those sort of incremental targets. So, you know, we've got a goal, of course, of hitting 200 million in revenue. We have a goal of taking the company public, not because I want to be the CEO of a public company, you know, then we have our milestones after that. So I think you could, you could really relate, or I would relate, you know, the goals, or as you said, you've made it to sort of the product outcome that we have. Like I have a very specific product that I, I'm trying to build in mind. And once I get there, that will really be the moment. Right. It's not so much about the yeah. financial goals, I guess, is what I'm alluding to. And I guess a lot of people don't know what a CEO does day to day. Can you kind of give <laughs> me like your gist yeah. of like what yeah. you do? Yeah. Firefighting, whack-a-mole, uh, <laughs> two terms that come to mind. Yeah. I mean, at this stage, it, it, most of your time should be spent on recruiting, right? There's a lot of people talk, you know, commenting on that and so on. I literally didn't appreciate that so much until just last week. Mm -hmm. And why last week? Because we, we have a new CFO who just started last Monday and the last nine days have been just phenomenal. Like I can see now why I need to spend more time, you know, on the recruitment side from senior leadership perspective in particular, because everything really comes into line with those, those right hires. And I like, I love the sales side. I love getting involved in product. I love, I love getting involved with frankly everything because I had to do that at a certain stage, but it really moves into that direction. As soon as you start, you know, and and I, as soon as most start, I should say, trying to get into, again, operations and customer success and sales and all this, it starts to impact other areas of the business. You don't see that overnight. You see that over like the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. And I've gone through that, that sort of that pain a number of times. And um, I'm hoping this is the last. <laughs> I hope that for you, too. And yeah. what customers, I think we, you touched on it, but do Maripost mostly attract? Yeah, so, so our target market is, as I said, mid-market e-commerce and retail. We have customers in publishing and automotive and in, in energy across the board, but the bulk of our clients fall within that category. So we've got clients like Scott Sports, like Bikes Online, like Specialized, and coincidentally using bike examples there. Uh, but we also have large Fortune 500 customers like Mercedes, Dollar General, and so on. So there really is a mixture of clients, but our target is that 200 to 500 million e-commerce and or retail business. Mm -hmm. And how do you guys stay on top of current trends in the market? So when you say the market, do you mean the stock market or do you mean the industry? Like or your industry. Uh, you're in. Yeah. I mean, so that's, I mean, that is a big, or 
used to be a big part of my job is certainly seeing around the corners from a product perspective, like how are people buying, where are they buying, what are the the, the most you know valuable drivers or, or areas lacking in efficiency from within the product that we offer. For me, it's it's talking to customers with, without a doubt. I mean, I, I think everyone at this stage, right, we've got so much content coming at us, especially, you know, going through COVID and everything's right. Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, podcasts, like much like this and, and so on. But I, I get the most from just monitoring our customers and monitoring what I what I see uh, mm-hmm. happening within within the industry itself. When I say what I what I see, I mean, you know, what are what other solutions are our customers using? How are they using it? And what do I think ultimately is going to make them more successful? Mm-hmm. And I sort of dictate fifty percent of my what's called mental capacity in this regard to each of those areas. One of them is the innovation, and the other one is how do I just make their life easier. Kind of a odd question, but where do you see your end goal, or is there an end goal for marriage? There is no end goal. There is no end goal. Yeah, I, I mean, so the difference. Oh, sorry, what was that? I, was gonna say, I asked that question because most people yeah. are like, well, I see a double, and then I'm done, and then others yeah. are like, this is my baby, and I think that's very knowledgeable for people to understand the passion side of a business rather sure. than just the money side. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're, for us, they're, for me, there's no there's no real end goal. Like, as I said, the plan is to take the business public and let it thrive and continue. And, and we'll, of course, you know, continue the, the product strategy from there beyond what we do today. Um, the reason for that, too, is I've been through, you know, an interesting journey or in some ways it's interesting where I sold part of the business in 2016 and then bought them out in 2019, mm-hmm. um, which is extremely rare, at least even in my experience. And so I've, I've kind of gone through these stages and and I don't have a salary. I don't have compensation at, at Maripost. I only do well if the business does well. And we've been fortunate enough that the business has done well. So, uh, you know, it's yielded the same results. So now it becomes more about, you know, the long-term goal of really changing and adapting the market that we operate in. Did you buy the business back because you wanted to be more involved in it? Uh, no, I bought the business back because we weren't really getting along all that well. And it was just not a good philosophical yeah. fit. But they were great guys and, and you know, everybody has different experiences with in, investors. And I'm sure we'll have investors again, you know, once we're, we're public, we certainly will. But um, yeah, at the time, it just wasn't the right philosophical fit for us. Kind of switching gears. If someone were to want to work at Maripost, let's say, what would you look for when you're hiring? Yeah, experience. experience. So the number one thing, I mean, when we're talking about companies who, who are, I, I was just talking about this earlier today. We're about 330 people. Um, at no time in my career was I planning to have a business with 330, let alone 30. And the biggest thing that the software as a service space in particular is dealing with right now is there's just there's just so much money being thrown into it. Even with what's happening in the public markets today, there's so much investment taking place. People are raising 200, 500, 800 million dollars. Like it's it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And so what that's done is that's created a, a situation where you've got people changing roles and and leveling up without the experience. And so when we start to look at, at all the candidates, you know, that, that come into different profiles, it's like, you have to really weed through them. You know, was this, you know, five-year stint, you know, what happened when they were somewhere for 12 months? There's a lot of that in the market yeah. today. Um, I, I don't think that's a good thing. I mean, when, when people apply at Maripost and they've had three jobs in the last three years, like that's an absolute non, non-starter. Yeah. And, and I think that's going to come back around to, to impact and hurt people because people are going to think the same thing that I'm saying, which is we want somebody who was at their last role for five years, was very stable. They, they grew with the organization. 
you know, and, and they've really got that true experience of execution. Yeah. Um, I think it's really difficult uh, uh, for that matter. What tool or skill do you think has contributed to most of your success? Uh, definitely the like, sort of sales acumen. So doing product demos and that is, is the one thing I love doing the most. I don't get to do it anymore, sadly. But um, yeah, that, that would be the, the key element. I mean, I think there, there's a, a sort of a disclaimer to that, which is I also take the approach of we sell what we have. So this is what we have. If you think this is awesome, great. We'd love to have you on board. And we've thankfully built things that are awesome. So it worked out really well yeah. in the opposite approach. And the great thing too was, you know, bridging the gap between sales and, and, and product and, and engineering in particular can be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. But when the, you know, founder in this case, you know, ultimate decision maker is also listening and hearing and talking to the customers and understanding the, you know, the pain points of what they're really looking for, it allows us to really tailor. And we don't do, we, we obviously take a more strategic approach to it today, but in the early stages that really impacted like i would be writing stuff down on a napkin at a bar with a client take a picture of it send it to my cto and was like can you build this like by tomorrow and, and he would do that and and those were really exciting times as well but that really contributed to the the success of the company how important would you say is financial literacy when running a business oh yeah that's <laughs> so important i it's kind of funny in this regard. So I, I you know, my family or, or myself, like I, I'm from a very small town in, in Northern Canada, um, don't have any, I, I, I'd be surprised if I, I'm sure I did pass, but I'm sure I barely passed math. I definitely wouldn't have signed up for calculus or, 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 uh, or anything like that. And so I, I don't know where it came from, but I've always had this very cost conscious methodology and it wasn't for any specific reason uh, uh, by any means. And that has just been, extremely helpful, not only at Maripost, but just in terms of how we manage our financials, you know, or my, myself yeah. and, and the business overall. I'm very into the, into the details as it pertains to our financial systems. But I also think that that comes from the fact that we are, we were bootstrapped or self-funded business. I had to do that, right? So yeah. I had to log into QuickBooks back in the day and, and we don't use that now, but, and, and, you know, make sure everything was, was in order, right? There wasn't, and we didn't have investors. So there wasn't this concept of just this arbitrary pool of money, you know, that was available. Yeah. So it's, it's so, I mean, to say it's so important would be an understatement. Hence the hire last week of this phenomenal CFO we brought on board. Yeah. Lastly, I always ask this, if you could give a piece of advice to a teenage or college version of yourself, what would you tell him? I don't know about teenage, but from the, you know, if I knew I would end up in this position, or if I could go back and, and share one thing, which I think is what you're saying, mm-hmm. it would have been the components around the hiring piece. I don't think I put enough emphasis on hiring senior people at, at, an, at an earlier stage. So as an example, the, some of the roles that we're hiring for now, we should have hired for five years ago, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know what I didn't know at, at the time. And, and that would have really changed the outcome. I don't have any regrets, certainly. Yeah. And I've learned a lot of things along the way, but you know, we'd probably be twice, two or three times bigger if I had done that today. It's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Like people. I think it's, good. yeah, just to add a comment there. I think it's very easy for founders or for, for, you know, founder CEOs in particular to resist that because, you know, it's a, it's a larger cost, right? You're used to doing a lot of the work yourself in some ways. You're thinking, ah, we can, you know, we can blend these two people together and they yeah. can just do it. But that's not, it's not the reality, unfortunately. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of micromanaging at that point of the state where they don't want to give 
the, the reins to somebody else. But as you yeah. said, and I totally agree, and I'm at that point right now where yeah. you got to experience over. You have to, yeah. Everything. The, the reality with these these higher, like again, you know, being a founder is is one thing, right? Like we don't really know anything. We didn't yeah. go to, you know, we didn't have the same level of education as somebody who may have worked their way. I'm going to keep using finance, but who may have worked their way through a large organization, like they may have worked at a Salesforce or an Oracle or a uh, you know, or something of that nature. And that has given them this, this, these unique skills that myself or yourself would never have. And so when we're hiring them, we need to be hiring them on the basis of they need to be telling us what to do. Mm-hmm. I think Steve, I'm not quoting him or saying the same thing, but I think Steve Jobs said something like that. Like I don't hire yeah. expensive people to tell them what to do. It, it just doesn't make sense. That's honestly a great piece of advice to yeah. share with everyone. I thank you so much um, for learning more about yourself and Marrow Post and the great thing you Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.